Welcome to Crump Insights, exploring timely life insurance and retirement planning topics for today's forward-thinking financial professionals. In this episode, we'll address the coverage gap issue. I'm Brian Bushlack, your host for this series and an active life and health insurance producer. Joining us, David Levinson, President and CEO of LIMRA, LOMA, and LL Global. David, thanks for joining us. Why do consumers live with a life insurance gap and how do consumer misconceptions play a role in that? Hey, Brian, thanks for the opportunity to be here. You know, first, let me dimension how big that gap is. If you look at it from a household perspective, you know, there's about 130 million households in the United States, 30 million households don't have insurance, 30 million are underinsured. If you look at it from a pure adult perspective, 102 million adults in this country either don't have enough insurance or don't have insurance. So it's a pretty big number. So Limer has done a lot of research over the years to really evaluate why is that the case? Because we've been in a secular decline. So today, 52% of all Americans have insurance. That's been declining you know, for the last 20 years, I'd say there are four primary reasons that people cite when they tell us why they don't have insurance or why they don't have enough insurance. The first one is, look, I've got so many other financial priorities, and it's hard for me to gauge exactly where this one fits. The second one really is a knowledge issue. And they think life insurance is a lot more expensive than it really is, especially term insurance. So on average, people overestimate the cost by about three times. So, you know, if I told you something was going to be three times more expensive than it really is, you might not pursue it any further. The third reason that they cite is it seems interesting, seems like something I should do. I don't know what to do. I don't know who sells this stuff. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. And then the fourth, and this is when it gets a little bit further in the process, is that this is an intimidating process. Like you're going to send somebody to my house, they're going to take my blood and they're going to evaluate whether I'm sick and it might take 60 days. And so when you roll it all together, there are four obstacles, but I think we can easily overcome these obstacles as an industry. Yeah, I agree. You know, the pandemic uh, and what we just went through and continue to go through and deal with has revolutionized many aspects of the industry. And I want you to talk about that industry resiliency through the pandemic and how COVID-19 impacted the industry and its operations. Yeah, Brian, when you step back, it's been truly amazing, right? Because most life insurance is sold face-to-face from an agent or an advisor to a client. And when the pandemic hit, that was no longer an option, right? I mean, everybody had to separate, do their social distance and separate. So the industry really relied and pivoted to a lot of digital tools. So we went to digital meetings, right? Video meetings between the agent and the client. We did a lot of e-app type stuff, right? E-signature type stuff. And what was amazing to me was how quickly this entire pivot took place. The other thing was obviously the underwriting, right? Usually they would send somebody to your house and now they would just rely on a lot of the analytics and doing automated underwriting or accelerated underwriting. But, you know, when you really step back, the first quarter sales were down maybe by 1% in 2020 
versus first quarter of 2019. Second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter were all up. And I think that was just the client demand, right? Just when you think about the fact that today 800,000 people have passed and you know, almost 30 million people in this country, I think even more, were infected by COVID. It was just all around, right? So I would say the demand was so high that, you know, we worked through the process. And even the first six months of 2021, we're seeing sales and policy counts at record levels, things we haven't seen in 40 years. It's good to see. I mean, obviously, nothing like a pandemic to make people reconsider their own mortality. An unfortunate way for that to happen, but it has been a crazy busy year for all the carriers and so many producers and advisors out there. And, you know, on the consumer side of the equation, let's dive into that, you know, impact of the pandemic from a demographic standpoint. Are we seeing more millennials and minorities consider life insurance now? Yeah, so it's interesting. So one of the things, Brian, when Limer did its research and realized that 31% of Americans were more likely to, to buy insurance now because of the pandemic, we brought the industry together and we brought all the trades together. We started working with over 75 insurers and distribution companies. And we just built an awareness campaign that, you know, every week we would drive awareness, we would, we would drive social media, we would try to drive education and just make people understand how important it was to be properly insured. In 2022, we're going to dive a lot deeper into the demographics to your question. So we know some things, certainly on the demographic side, and I'll give you a few examples But throughout 22, we're going to go a little bit deeper into this with our Help Protect Our Families campaign. So start with the millennials. Millennials are less likely to loan life insurance than general population. So I mentioned 52% of adults. It's 49% of millennials. A lot of millennials said that they lost their coverage in 2020 due to a job loss. And 45% said they were likely to purchase coverage because of the pandemic. So they lost their coverage. They're more likely than the general population. I mentioned 31%, they're 45%. But back to education, remember we talked a little bit about the estimation of life insurance and the cost. Two thirds of millennials overestimate the cost of life insurance. Mm. So, you know, there's an educational opportunity just in dealing with the millennials. For Black Americans, you know, it's interesting. Black Americans own life insurance more than white Americans. It's a fraction higher, but the ownership is actually a little bit higher. But in the pandemic, I would say that Black Americans were disproportionately impacted. So now we see that in our study, 58% of Black Americans are likely to buy some or, or more life insurance because of the pandemic versus 36% of all Americans. So it's a pretty stark difference. There's also one notable difference. Black Americans tend to buy life insurance for final expense for their funeral costs. The rest of the population tends to buy insurance more for general protection purposes. Maybe the last group I'll talk about is women. And again, we're going to go deeper on all of these in, in 2022. So, Brian, as it relates to women, 47% of women have life insurance coverage, and that compares to 58% of men. So it's an area that certainly warrants a lot of attention. 
14% of women, more than 18 million lost their life insurance coverage in 2020. So clearly a significant issue for us. And we're going to be studying this a lot more as we go into 2022. There's definitely a lot of opportunity out there in spite of the spike we've seen in sales. And, you know, that's the next question. Obviously, what does the future look like here? I think, you know, marketing, of course, is going to be a key here. Yeah, look, if I told you in any industry that it was only 52% penetrated, I think you'd say there's a massive opportunity. So I believe for the right companies that focus on this, there is a massive opportunity. I think the demand from the client perspective is going to continue for a little while. Remember, we're still in a pandemic. It's not like we have a lot of pandemic experience, but there was a Spanish flu back in 1918, 1919. We saw client demand elevated for about three to five years. So there's no reason to think that things won't be similar here as we go through COVID-19. But, you know, as things start to quiet down, and hopefully they will soon, people get busy. There are other financial priorities. So I really think it's super important for the 330,000 full-time life-licensed financial professionals to make it a core focus to try to get to these underinsured and uninsured Americans. You know, it's interesting that you have numbers from 1921 and 22, <laughs> because LIMRA goes back, what, to 1915, 16, right? We go back further than that. We've got a, we've got a 106-year history. Wow. And so, yeah, you're right, probably about the same ballpark. But, you know, we actually talked to a couple of our member companies and got this information from three of the largest mutuals who were around back then and have uh, information about what their sales numbers look like from like 1918 to 1924 or so. Well, history does repeat itself. We know that. Let's talk about the industry and, you know, taking advantage of technology here. You touched on this earlier, you know, in supporting not only internal operations and sales, you know, you talk about the adaptability and the digitization. Those were certainly positives during the pandemic. We were forced to do that. You have accelerated underwriting, the improvement in process and getting deals done. You know, a lot of stuff that was talked about for years or that was in the works, right? <laughs> well, it's now been implemented, right? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, when we did some work on this, over 80% said that the changes they were making around digital during the pandemic, they expected that to become permanent. I actually think that's low because when you think about how well the industry did and then how efficient the industry was in terms of advisors meeting or agents meeting with their clients. I mean, doing it on a Zoom call, I can go from one to the next versus, you know, if I'm meeting with the client, sometimes scheduling gets a little difficult. I might have to meet them at a Starbucks and, you know, driving out there to do that. The whole video technology, the efficiency of the applications, the efficiency of the underwriting, the pandemic, for all the bad that it's, it's done and all the harm that it's caused our country, I think the good that's come out of it for our industry is that it's forced us to maybe accelerate by three to five years how much we're able to move on the technology side. So I think it will be permanent, it will be lasting, and it will be to the client's benefit for sure. Well, that's so important, particularly with the millennials who they're not wasting time face-to-face. It's an app. It's a click. It's a let's get stuff done. So that's good to hear. You know, it's long-term care awareness month and 
we've got a gap there too. Um, can you maybe talk about the consumer perception there, the actual ownership of long-term care insurance and what we can do in that area? Yeah, I think the gap here, Brian, is is maybe even more acute than it is on the life insurance side. So 61% of consumers, this is all Limer research, 61% of consumers believe they need long-term care insurance. 18% say they own it, but our data tells us that it's probably closer to 7%. So 61% say they need it, 7% probably have it. And there's a lot of reasons for that, right? I think a lot of people mistakenly assume that their health insurance provides long-term care insurance. They might wrongly assume that Medicare covers long-term care insurance, but it's really the private market that you know provides this type of insurance that they need. Uh, Medicare does not, and the, the private health plans do not. So this is clearly a big challenge for our country especially as the, uh, the broader demographics point to uh, an older population for years to come. Yeah, the statistics with long-term care are, are shocking, right? I mean, this is, yes. a, this is, as you said, a huge, a bigger gap than life insurance. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're, they're both big gaps. And if I were, again, a life-licensed financial professional, I'd be focusing on both of these right now for sure. Talk about the benefits of long-term care products. You know, we've got an audience of financial advisors who may dabble in life insurance and insurance products. Sometimes they refer that out. And quite honestly, there are insurance producers who maybe focus on life, but don't pay attention to long-term care. Can you talk about these products? Yeah. So look, I think the industry recognized that. And I would say that, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, there were a lot of pure form long-term care insurance policies we're seeing a lot fewer of those for a variety of reasons today than we saw a decade ago. So now what we're seeing is a lot of what we call combo policies, right? So it's life insurance that might have a rider, a certain type of rider that covers long-term care and enables uh, the client to essentially take some of their death benefit proceeds a little prematurely from a policy to cover their long-term care needs. So those combo policies have become very, very popular in the last few years. The LTC market is, I mean, let's face it, it's convoluted because a lot of people think, this is what we hear, oh, I've got that through work, right? And so they just make an assumption that if something like that happens, they're covered as long as they're employed. Yeah. And, you know, that's different than disability. Right? Yeah. You know, when, when you take out disability insurance, that's, you know, you're in your working years, you're taking out a group policy. So you're under 65 years old. Um, with long-term care, that's something that generally is going to happen later in life. You're generally not going to be, uh, to have access to a group policy. So, you know, it's really the individual policies here that you need to ensure that you're properly insured. And again, 7% uh, based on LIMRA analysis, 7% of people have such a policy. So almost everybody is going to need some type of long-term care assistance, but only 7% have the appropriate insurance to help them through it. So that's a staggering difference. You know, we talked about this with life insurance and consumer perception due to the pandemic. And I've got to believe that, you know, with people seeing loved ones, 
friends, neighbors, or even hearing of people dealing with the long-term or the long-haul impacts of COVID, um, this had to have raised awareness for long-term care insurance as well. You know, Brian, no doubt. Early in the pandemic, all of us were reading the news, watching the news about just the challenges in these nursing homes and these long-term care facilities. And these are parents, these are grandparents, these are uncles, aunts. Very, very challenging situation. And when you ask these people where they truly want to be cared for, they want to be cared for at home. 60% say they would much prefer to be cared for in their home than they would in one of these facilities. The beauty of these long-term care policies is that it gives these individuals that choice. They can either be cared for in a facility or they can be cared for at their home and they're covered either way. So yes, the pandemic did raise the attention level, but we still have a big gap between the 61% that believe they need it. And again, that's probably low and the 7% that actually have it. A lot of work left to be done. And speaking of, you know, during the fourth quarter of this year and beyond, how are we as an industry making sure that more families have the coverage and the protection they need, given this is a mission? You know, it's been a crazy couple of years now. I mean, it's hard to believe how long this has gone on, and yet it feels like things are on fast forward, right? All that said, we've got this mission as an industry, right, to inform people. You know, it's one of the reasons that I love what I do, right? We do have a noble mission. We are here to protect people from the unexpected. And COVID was unexpected. And again, we're seeing almost 800,000 people pass. And we know that many of those 800,000 were not properly insured. So this this is a wake up call, I think, for everybody in the industry, but also just the 330 million Americans. And it's one of the reasons, again, Brian, that we brought the industry together. Limmer brought all of the other trades, the 75 companies. Again, we formed this Help Protect Our Families campaign. And it was very robust in 2021. I mentioned the numbers, the the highest sales number, policy growth in the last 40 years. This campaign will continue to focus on some of those demographics that we talked about in 2022. But just those two years aren't going to solve this gap between 52% of adults have it and a lot more than that need it. So again, this I hope is a wake-up call for our industry that gives us an opportunity, not just for the next few months, but really for the next few years, find a way to truly get after this together. Yeah, you know, every time I see a tragedy and then you see the GoFundMe page, right? We all see that. And you just stop and think, for pennies on the dollar, that family could have had even just a minimal term insurance policy, right? And wouldn't have to rely on a GoFundMe from, God bless, anonymous people for giving, right? But that's what it's come to for so many people, right? And here we are as an industry, you you think about that, really, it's a duty as an industry to support the country and to support this process, isn't it? Yeah, and that's a strong word, but I think you're right. I I do think it is our collective responsibility as an industry to get to those 48% of adults who aren't insured and to really fix that problem so that we don't have some of these uh, heart-wrenching stories that we all know too well. 
Well, David, we appreciate you joining us and we appreciate everything you and your team at Limra do for the industry and for consumers across America. Thank you for joining us. Ryan, I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity and I appreciate everything that uh, Crump does for sure. And uh, we appreciate the, uh, the partnership we have together. Crump Life Insurance Services, a leading third-party distributor and service provider of insurance and retirement products, is part of Truist Insurance Holdings Incorporated, the seventh largest insurance broker in the world. Crump supports the distribution of life insurance, annuities, long-term care, linked benefits, disability, and health products with the industry's premier sales and back office support and technology services. Marketing under the following brands, Crump, Truest Life Insurance Services, Risk Rider, Telus, and Time. Source, Business Insurance Magazine, using 2019 brokerage revenue generated, 2020 issue. For financial professional use only, not intended for use in solicitation of sales to the public. Not intended to recommend the use of any product or strategy for any particular client or class of clients. For use with non-registered products only. Crump operates under the license of Crump Life Insurance Services Incorporated. Arkansas license number 1001031477. Products and programs offered through Crump are not approved for use in all states. Copyright 2021, Crump Life Insurance Services Incorporated.